Ground ball back up the middle. Altuve backhands on the VR. They get the double play. 4-6-3. Cabrera to Desmond in a 4-6-3. DeScrafani, they'll go 4-6-3. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the 4-6-3 podcast. I'm your host, Jory Negan-Schechter, joined, as always, by Jake Brandon and Zach Warden. MLB season is, of course, reaching its conclusion. The pennant races are heating up, and... The playoff spots are starting to solidify just a little bit, so we wanted to take a look at some of the biggest award contenders as the season approaches its crescendo. Zach, I'll let you kind of explain how we're going to go about today's episode. Yeah, so this week we all submitted our own awards ballot. I am the one who accumulated everything and calculated the winners in each of the categories, so I will be revealing the winners to Jake and Jory, who have yet to see or hear the results, so it'll be a surprise to them to see all of our votes together, and we'll go through the 10 10 different awards that we gave out. We did uh, MVP for both leagues, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, Manager of the Year, and Reliever of the Year. So Zach, I've got to ask you, without revealing too much, are there any big surprises in your eyes? Okay, so we had 10 categories, and we have nine unanimous winners interesting okay. so we are of the same mind i do will say but there is some very interesting conversations i think we can have about kind of the second and third place finishers obviously we have a lot of the same winners okay but it's going to be the the second and third place ones where i think things get get a little interesting 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 all righty all right so let's start off we'll go nl reliever of the year first so we have the unanimous, sorry, I'll actually tell how, how I did the calculations based on uh, our, our votes. So all of us voted for three players in each category. A first place vote was worth three points, a second place vote was worth two points, and a third place vote was worth one point. So our NL reliever of the year, unanimously with nine points, was the New York Mets' Edwin Diaz. Not too much of a surprise there. Yeah, I think no surprise there. This guy's been unbelievable. He's got the walk-up song. He's got the swag. But yeah, like you, you look at his ERA, 1.35. You look at his XFIP, 0.99. He's, he's just lights out. I think there's no question he's number one for me. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the reason that Narco has become such a synonymous song is because he's having a Mariano Rivera-esque season. This guy is yeah. going absolutely crazy. So I don't think that's particularly of any, of any significant surprise. I am a little surprised that that and obviously we'll have a couple other guys come up. I'm surprised there wasn't some respect for a couple other, maybe an NL Central guy in there. There's a couple guys I marked a little bit down ballot that I'm surprised one of you two didn't toss a vote towards. But I guess Edwin Diaz is having such an insanely good season. Yeah, 17K per nine. Like, that's just insane. Like, there's no way I can vote for him as number one. But there's been some great performances this year that we're obviously going to talk about. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I also went Diaz first. In, in in second place, we had uh, Ryan Helsley. We all put him in second place. Oh, and, wow. you know, I tried really hard to get him into my number one spot, but diving into it, I just I just couldn't do it, you know. Helsley's been disgusting this year and has, like, really emerged as probably the second best closer in the league behind Diaz. And, you know, just kind of looking at, like, the K-BB percentage, like, Diaz has been so much better than Helsley in, in that, right? He has a higher K percentage. He has a lower walk percentage. And all the the peripheral stuff, you know, does like Diaz better than Helsley, anyways. So I I think it was it was tough to really for anybody to to unthrone Diaz at the top there. Yeah, I think it's super close. I mean, Helsley he does have a little bit lower of an ERA, but 
like you mentioned, the walk rates are actually identical, and then Diaz just has way more strikeouts. So you have to give it to Diaz, but Helsley's really broke out this year. He's, he's been a nice surprise for the Cardinals, for sure. There's been that long-standing debate that it's kind of like, how, how much stock do you put into stuff like peripherals for, for the sure. types of awards versus actual results? And the Cy Young, of course, is the one that's always kind of had that at the forefront of its discussion. But given that we've got Helsley with a lower ERA ultimately than Diaz, is there any level of kind of disrespect from us or is Diaz's season just too good? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't like to consider only ERA. I think it's just more complex than that. I don't think you should just consider these advanced stats either if if that's how you're going to base it. I think it should be based on their pure results rather than predicting the future, but I, there has to be some sort of distinguish. There has to be some sort of sort of way to distinguish them at some point. So I like I like distinguishing them by strikeouts, walk rate, and then you use ERA h- how you will. But I I I just think Diaz is just so much more talented that you have to give it to him. Yeah, I think the the fifty point seven percent K rate really did it for me. Like he's striking out half the guys that he's seeing. That's yeah. insane. It's it's crazy and. You know, I, I, I don't think it was it was too much of a debate for any of us there. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's move on to our third place. So we ended up with four players on this ballot. And coming in third with two points, so two third-place votes, was Devin Williams. Jory, I'll let you start there because I know he was third on your ballot. Yeah, Devin Williams has been really great this year. I mean, he's almost kind of slipped under the radar in, in some respects. I'm not exactly sure why because obviously of the crazy good seasons – that we're seeing from Diaz and Ryan Helsley. But, I mean, Devin Williams is right there. His ERA's in the mid-ones. It's been spectacular. He's been a high-leverage guy for the Brewers. And he kind of, maybe not slowed down, but definitely last year was not the super-duper star, almost, I would say. I mean, he had a really great season last year, but certainly his rookie season was a different level of dominant and he just didn't really quite match that in his sophomore year. And then this year, I think in a lot of respects, he's basically gotten right back to that. He's sitting at two and a half, roughly, B-War. So for a reliever, that's right up there with the very best of them. And I know you two are definitely F-4 guys, but I've always been of the opinion that when you are looking at end-of-season stats, when you're looking for that most valuable player, that Cy Young Award, particularly the pitching stuff, I think B-War is better because that... in in my eyes, is a little bit more representative of who, kind of what they've done actually on the field, maybe less so than FIP, which is kind of a more of a hypothetical. No, I, actually, I do agree with that. I, th- I think B-War is a better stat for pitchers for determining awards. I, yeah, but F-War is a better stat for predicting the future. But who, who did you have, Zach? Did you have, did you have Williams as well? I had Williams, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, just with him, you know, I think realistically the best, the best year we've se- seen him have, and he kind of took over that, that role from Hayter there. And, you know, I'm, he, he was way better than Hayter this season. And, you know, I, I, I'm going to give away your, your vote here, Jake. Sure. So Jake went with Evan Phillips for his third place. Yeah. And I considered Phillips as well, but um, for me, the thing that Williams did was he pitched a little bit more leverage, which swayed me a little bit in his direction versus Phillips, who was really outstanding, but he didn't get a lot of those super high leverage innings for the Dodgers. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Williams has 14 saves. Phillips only has two. So I, I, I guess that's something I didn't really consider too much. I just I looked at the pure rod numbers more, but... Yeah, Phillips leads in ERA for all qualifiers in relief pitchers. And I, I just thought he deserved a spot on the top three for me. 
Evan Phillips was another guy that I also looked pretty long and hard at. I think that in some respects, you could literally chop it up to name recognition. I mean, Evan Phillips, I've heard his name here and there, but certainly his name does not carry the cachet that a guy like Devin Williams does. So, I mean, I think that in a lot of respects, we'll probably see something similar when uh, when the actual voting kind of comes down. But there's kind of no denying the season that Phillips has had. He's been, I mean, arguably the Dodgers' best reliever i can't really think of anyone in particular that's been better than him on them no he, sh- he should be their closer i think yeah he de- i mean he definitely should i mean yeah. they, they removed uh kimbrell from the role right so i think they're yeah. just going committee right now but yeah that's good because i mean you know i'm i'm anti-closer but um <laughs> you know if you are going to put a label on somebody then uh, phillips should probably be that guy he yeah. should be their closer definitely. also closer shouldn't exist <laughs> thank you thank yep. you <laughs> okay so yeah let's move on to the al reliever of the year once again, another unanimous selection coming in first place. And then we have a little bit of, de- of a debate. This is our longest ballot. We had seven players voted for between the three of us. Oh, okay, oh, wow. okay. Yeah, so we actually actually all three of us had the same first place finisher and then four different players. Right. Okay, that's, okay. That's cool. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, first place, I think pretty obvious. Same thing, you know, the two, Diaz and Emmanuel Classe, have been the two at the top in terms of uh, relievers ranks all year. So I'll let you guys kind of take away that one with Class A getting all three of our first place votes. Yeah, again, just like Diaz, no question there. He's been lights out. He's got, he throws a 100-mile-per-hour cutter. The guy's absolutely disgusting. Disgusting. He's walking 1.29 per nine while having a having crazy swing and miss stuff still. So, uh, yeah, I think it's no question for him at the top. But, yeah, it's interesting that we all had different players for two and three. I'm interested to hear your guys' picks. Yeah, I, I'm also interested. I mean, for Class A, I mean, it's almost like, what is there kind of say? Guy has been out, outstanding this year, leading the American League in saves at this point, and obviously antiquated stat for all it is, still kind of relevant in my eyes, speaks a little bit to the leverage that he pitches in. I mean, Class A's just been outstanding and I, I don't think that there's anything I could add that you didn't already touch on Jake just an, an exceptional pitcher and a huge part of the reason that the the Cleveland Guardians turned around and, and had a really fantastic season yeah I mean, he has a 64 percent ground ball rate too which is just insane a guy with his kind of stuff to walk that that, that he doesn't walk any batters and he gets that many ground balls is just it's a tough matchup in the ninth for sure <laughs> so Zach you also had class A as your number one I did yeah, yeah. I think I think that one was pretty easy and you guys covered it so we can Move along to our second tied for second place finishers, all receiving second place votes from us. We'll start with mine. I went with Felix Bautista from the Baltimore Orioles. So I went with Bautista because, you know, he he really helped stabilize that Orioles bullpen, which was really good this year. And I think he kind of set himself up to be that ninth inning guy for them going ahead here. Uh, you know, he had really good strikeout numbers, solid, like maybe not great walk numbers but you know enough to kind of keep himself in games and put together a solid season he you know didn't have the the closer role to start the season uh with uh Jorge Lopez being traded to Minnesota but he still ended up finishing ninth in the AL and saves with 15 and he threw he'll probably end up throwing like 68 ish innings this season so I think he you know had a really good body of work and threw in a ton of leverage this year so that's kind of why he came in second for me I'll pass it along to our other tied for second second place finisher. We'll start with Jake. Uh, Joan Duran. Yeah, so I went with Duran over Batista. Um, I, I consider Batista as well, 
but ultimately it just came down to like I, I think what it's what's coming down to is you're considering high leverage a little bit more than me while I'm just looking at like the pure numbers so everybody values pitchers differently there's no right or wrong way I, I don't think but yeah that, that was my thought process Duran just like Classe he's absolutely disgusting he throws an 100 mile per hour splitter while Classe throws a 100 mile per hour cutter I I think he's one of the top arms in the game and He's just a matchup that you don't want to face late in the, late in the ball game. He's been a huge breakout for for the Twins this year. So I think both your picks are interesting, but I guess at this point I'll jump in with mine. I think that in some respects we're a little closer to this guy, so we have a maybe different perspective. But my pick for at least second, because Class A was so far and away the number one guy. No team relied as heavily on their bullpen, I think, as the Blue Jays after their 1-2 of Alec Manoa, and Kevin Gosman because their pitching staff was, <laughs> to put it bluntly, a bit of a tire fire towards the back half of the rotation. And no one pitcher was at the center of that you know, bullpen that they leaned so heavily on as Jordan Romano. He is amongst the league leaders in B-War again amongst relievers. So again, a guy that pitched in leverage for the Blue Jays was instrumental for them in terms of innings and racked up the Ks as well. I just think that Romano was such an important part of the Blue Jays. And then, you know what? Let's let's do a little narrative stuff here. The Canadian guy succeeding for the Blue Jays. I mean, that was just too good a narrative, I think, to pass up. Even though he's not my number one pick. Like, I mean, I think Romano had, has really established himself as like a premier closer in the league and a really special talent that the Blue Jays are going to be leaning on probably for a couple years down the line. Yeah, I, I really like, you know, this is kind of the fun part about doing this, right? We all value different things, and we all have kind of different opinions here, other than apparently who's finishing in first. <laughs> but, um, you know, like, Jory, your argument that the Blue Jays probably leaned on him more than any other team, like any of the guys that we voted for, is a really good argument that, you know, his he's probably one of the highest leverage guys in the league, even if, you know, the peripherals, you know, the stats all look really good. He had, he had an amazing season, and... You know, maybe a little oversight on my part about how much he was actually relied on compared to some of the other guys that we're putting in here. Yeah, I mean, early early in the season, I don't know if you guys remember, the Jays were playing so many one-run ball games, so he was just a rock at the back end of that bullpen. Last year, we lost a lot of a lot of one-run ball games, but this year, I mean, he's just been so solid for us. I, me- I remember one week he had like four or five saves. So, yeah, I mean, I don't really disagree with anything you guys you guys said about Romano. So, yeah. All right, let's let's keep it with you, Jory. Give us your third place. AL reliever of the year. So my third place AL reliever of the year was Scott Barlow. So I went into this kind of selection process kind of pretty open-minded, just kind of skimming around looking for guys. And Barlow was a guy that caught my eye. He had a really fantastic year with the Royals, kind of broke out. You heard about him here and there, maybe on Twitter, but I, I didn't realize actually how good a season he'd had. He's sitting with a 2.24 ERA. His strikeout numbers are pretty solid. I mean, overall, just a really kind of... Good year in my eyes, nothing really to complain, sitting at 2.6 B-War again. So I don't think that necessarily he had a blow-you-away year or anything like that, but just overall on a pretty mediocre Royals team, I think one of the bright spots on them, and I thought, hey, I'll toss him a vote. He had a pretty nice year, and and to me, looks like a decent piece for them. Yeah, can't, can't argue with that. You know, a really good season, and you're right, he did, did kind of fly under the radar. He's uh, a guy who... I think coming into the year, maybe fantasy players were a little bit more aware of. You know, he's kind of got that safe potential out there in Kansas City, and the Royals didn't win as many games as some maybe had thought. 
So, yeah, there maybe wasn't as much attention on him playing out there, but he did put together a really solid season. So I think him him getting a vote there is is a good good pick by you. Yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to pick the relievers honestly because there's so many guys that are just like so close in ERA for sure. So it's it's where do you distinguish it? But yeah, Barlow's had two good seasons in a row now. Two four last year, two two this year. So yeah, I, I think he's a worthy worthy candidate for sure. But and I'll. I'll add here just quickly. He's a bit of a stack-ass god as well. So the peripherals to me, obviously, we're looking at results more than peripherals. But Barlow really had a spectacular year by the peripher- by the by the stack-ass numbers as well. So again, maybe not the most conventional pick, but just overall had a really solid season out there with the Royals, and I think just deserves some kind of credit for the year that he put together. All right, Jake, who's your third place? Yeah, so I have Jason Adam third. He's just been so good for the for the Rays. He's been the best arm in their pen. He has a 1.56 ERA. I, like like I said, it's, it was so hard. To, like, coming up with a third pick was so hard. There were so many guys I could have gone with. But, yeah, I, I think like ha- having an ERA in the mid ones, just you have to be in my top three for sure. Yeah, no, another guy, another really solid season, I think, <laughs> you know, former Blue Jay there really putting it together this year in Tampa Bay and emerging kind of as their most reliable arm for sure very very uh, good pick there I'll go to my number three so I went with the reliever strikeout king in the AL in Andres Munoz so Munoz led the AL in relievers qualified relievers in K per nine uh, K percentage K minus BB percentage, you know, he only walked 6% of his hitters while striking out nearly 40%. And, you know, definitely a a solid workload for him there. He threw over 60 innings this year, had a sub 2-5 ERA for Seattle in that kind of disgusting bullpen. I think he was probably their their best arm and really kind of put it all together on the the promise that we've seen from him in the past. Yeah, now that I've heard all your guys' picks, I th- I think Munoz would be the guy that I put fourth for sure just looking at his numbers, 13k per 9. I don't use XERA too much, but he has a 1.9 XERA, so that means he doesn't give up a ton of hard contact too. So, yeah, I, I think he he's the guy I would rank fourth hearing everybody's picks so far. So, let's move along here then, Zach. We've gone now through the relievers of the year. Let's get into some of the more high leverage <laughs> to use that term. Awards. I think the next one maybe be a fun one. Let's talk teams. Let's talk managers of the year. Yes, I, I agree. That's where we're going next. And this is the one where we did not agree on who won. Nice. And actually, based on our voting, we have a three-way tie for first place oh. for the NL Manager of the Year. So, um, so we all had different first place finishers, obviously. And then we only have four people on the ballot. So we'll start with... I'll go with my first place vote first. I voted Rob Thompson of the Philadelphia Phillies, my manager of the year. Jake, I believe you had him second. And Jory, you did not have him on your ballot at all. I did not have him on my ballot. And I think obviously the Phillies had a big year. He really helped kind of turn them around. But there's some guys in here that I think just sort of deserve the respect. And we'll get into who my picks are. I don't know if we want to discuss. But I always value... Because the the manager of the year award is is a a bit of a team award, but also I think sometimes it becomes too much of a you surpass expectations award, and I think that managers on really good teams almost get punished. And I really wanted to highlight two managers in particular that put together you know really really strong seasons with their club and really excelled this year. So Zach, do you want me to touch on on those guys? Yeah, just let me just let me give my my explanation for Rob Thompson. Go so for with it. the Phillies, since he took over, they are on a ninety five win pace. 
which, you know, in that division isn't easy. They're playing the Mets, the Braves in a, in a very difficult division. So I think him coming in and really turning around that team, and I don't think that the Phillies necessarily surpassed expectations is my reasoning for the vote is that he got them playing where they need to be playing, right? Like he got them to their talent level and got the best out of a lot of guys there. So he was my first place vote. Um, Jory, I'm going to tell you right now, the two guys that you're about to highlight are, are other two tied for first. You go ahead and tell me your first place finisher. My first place finisher for NL Manager of the Year, Buck Showalter. The Mets were all over the place before Buck Showalter showed up, and this guy has righted the ship for the Mets and has turned them into a team that looks like a World Series contender. I think that the Mets really were a ship without a captain, and Buck Showalter, for all of his awards with bullpen management maybe in the past, has really kind of cleaned up the way that he manages his bullpen nowadays, and he's turned them into a team that I'd say rivals even the Dodgers in some respects, even though the Dodgers maybe are a tier above I don't see any other team in the NL really making quite the, or really with the potential to make quite the run that the Mets have with how good their pitching staff is at the top and their bullpen as well. Yeah, I didn't include Joe Walter on my list, but he's definitely a worthy candidate. I was I was really I was really critical of the signing for the Mets. Honestly, just hiring an old school guy. I thought it's probably best to move away from those guys. We saw how how Larusa's worked out, but. Showalter's been he's been amazing yeah he's turned the Mets around they're a team that always has these expectations always signs these big name players but they never get it done and and they're they're getting it done with with Buck Showalter he's been he's been a great leader for them yeah no I I agree I had him second on my ballot I think you know it's tough to kind of look at him and say you know you you came in and he was honestly like a pretty modern manager like I think the way that he embraced like maybe not embraced analytics but kind of embraced a more modern way of thinking was really impressive I was with you Jake kind of at the beginning of the year bringing in an old school guy I didn't think it was the best but he kind of proved to be a modern manager in the way he he managed that team so that I had him second I just think that Thompson turning the Phillies around was a little bit more impressive to me so why don't you give us your first place vote Jake Mm -hmm. he was also my third place and Jory's third place and he is our third co-NL manager of the year. Yeah, so I went with Oliver Marmel of the Cardinals. I thought, yeah, like I, I based the award a lot on teams overperforming their expectations. And I wasn't sure the Cardinals were going to be a postseason team. And they've been more than that. They have 90 wins this season. They've already clinched. I thought they were going to be battling the Brewers for that division. And they've just went out and, and grabbed it. They've been they've been incredible. So I, I think... I think Marmol does deserve a lot of the credit for for turning a team that that didn't look amazing on paper that looked like a fringe team into a probably a 90 close to a 95 win team now. Yeah, he um for me I had him in third. I just think the Cardinals were pretty solid last year and I did like Mike Schultz. So, you know, the the firing there seemed a little bit of question a little bit questionable, but I think Marmol did did a really solid job with St. Louis this year. So I'm going to pass along our fourth place finisher in this to you guys because you guys both had him third. Jake, I gave made an executive decision okay. on your ballot, yeah. and so we went third place with two votes, Dave Roberts. Yeah, so I went with Roberts just because, just because, like obviously the Dodgers are crazy on paper; they're so good. But this has been a historic season for them. They've now, now as of last night, they've tied uh, their franchise win record. So. I, I mean, yeah, I think at some point you have to give Robert some credit for that. He's, yeah, like he's been with the team forever. They're amazing on paper, but to have 107 wins in a season, I mean, that's just that's insane, right? Yeah, like it's exactly what you said there, right? It's it's how good a season he's had. 
The Dodgers have been really fantastic this year. And, I mean, Roberts, for as much as people kind of get on him for his management during the postseason, the Dodgers under his reign have been nothing if not regular season champions every single year, pretty much. They've been absolute juggernauts when it's during the 162. And I think ultimately, in some respects, he's also come up this year really big because their pitching has had a lot of injuries and had a lot of uncertainty. And he's really helped the team kind of navigate through that, which I think deserves some credit. Certainly not the shocking or most shocking of seasons for the Dodgers. I think we kind of people would have come into the year kind of saying Hunter wins can you know go to sleep with that you know, but still Roberts being able to do that amidst some uncertainty in some respects I think is really impressive and and speaks also just to the quality of manager he is and the quality of organization that the Los Angeles Dodgers really have. I think there's a decent chance he ends up in the Hall of Fame as a manager. Wow, that's, I never really thought about that. That's, I don't that's think it's a decent chance. I think it's pretty much a certainty. I mean, he's got a World Series ring. He's one of the best regular season managers, as we kind of outlined. I don't really see any reason to believe that he, he wouldn't be unless people are kind of like, oh, it's just the Dodgers. You could have put, you know, you Ozzie Guillen. <laughs> yeah. yeah like- I don't really see any reason to believe that he wouldn't be a Hall of Fame manager. I mean, there's also the yeah, like like you said, like you could put anybody there. Like if he do, if he doesn't steal that base in the World Series for the Red Sox, like is he the manager of the Dodgers? Like I don't know, but he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame for that alone, anyway. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> obviously we got a let's, Red Sox uh, incredible baseball moment for sure. Let's move to our AL Manager of the Year, where we all had the same first and second place finisher, and then we had all three of us had different third place finishers. So let's run through the top two real quick. So our winner unanimously Brandon Hyde of the Baltimore Orioles I'll let you guys take that one yeah I mean the Orioles were supposed to be terrible this year they were supposed to maybe maybe win 60 games and to be above 500 or on the precipice of being above 500 I mean what can you say other than Brandon Hyde has taken that team to places nobody would have expected they are ahead of schedule all of a sudden and it looks like there's a decent chance they might even be a playoff team next year I can't think in the last time a manager of the year won the award while missing the playoffs and finishing like fourth in their division. But the AL East is obviously so stacked. And still, I don't think there's really any arguing that Brandon Hyde has been the best manager in the American League. Yeah, going from, what, 52 wins last season, and they're they're sitting at 80 right now. They're not eliminated from the playoffs. They're still in the hunt. I think, yeah, that's just incredible. And he, he does deserve a lot of the credit. A lot of the other managers are like, okay, it's more of a team award, but... I really think he does deserve a lot of the credit. I, I ranked bullpens at the start of the year, and the Orioles were right near the bottom, and their bullpen's been incredible. Adley Rutschman obviously deserves a lot of credit. I think they've really turned their season around since he came, since he got called up to the majors. But, yeah, so many breakout performances, and it's incredible what he's been able to do with that team. I think one thing with them, too, is that the trade deadline, they trade away Jorge Lopez, they trade away Trey Mancini, and they got better, which I think, you know, speaks a lot to maybe the culture in that clubhouse and kind of what, what he's instilled there, so... I think a deserving manager of the year, even if they don't make the playoffs, it'll be, you know, a, a good recognition for him and kind of getting them ahead of schedule, like you said, Jory. Yeah, so, exactly. No, I totally agree, right? I mean, how going into the year, did either of you guys have the Orioles finishing anywhere other than last place in the East? Yeah, no no shot. I think I think everybody picked them number five in the East for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. That's, uh, yeah, good for him. I, I'd like to throw out that I... On our midseason award show, I voted him manager of the year. Zach with the okay. crystal ball. My guy said had a little bit of a low-key little crystal ball going here. He picked, I think, both of the manager firings. 
and now he's picked Brandon Hyde as manager of the year. This guy's got like crystal balls. Like, just when it comes to managers, <laughs> yeah, though, nothing else. Manager just managers. <laughs> just managers. We gotta have a hot take episode where we just say something outlandish and then we see who's the closest. That's what we gotta do next. We I should. Like it. We should. I like it. <laughs> okay, so let's move on. Our second place finisher. Same thing, kind of you know exceeding expectations. Terry Francona in Cleveland. The Guardians, the youngest team in baseball, nobody picked them to make the playoffs either, and they are the NL Central champions. I think there's a decent chance that he ends up being the actual winner of this award. Yeah, it's it's like a two-person race, really. It is a two-horse race. Um, I would say I would be I would be surprised if Tito won Manager of the Year. I do get that ultimately him getting his team to the postseason does kind of separate things a little bit, but. Like, the Guardians exceeded expectations, but the Guardians were still going to be in that mushy middle kind of area. And, I mean, obviously they're division champions, but it's not like they've blown the doors off a pretty crummy division, right? So, I think someone had to ultimately win the NL Cent- or the AL Central, excuse me. So, like, I... I That's mean- true. I, I agree with that. I think the division, you know, are, are they are they better than the Orioles if you put them in the AL East? Oh, God, no. I don't even know if they finish above 500 if they're in the AL East. What do you think, Jake? Do I think the Guardians are better than the Orioles? I, I do, yeah, for sure. You don't, don't, you don't think so? I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. If you put so. them in the AL East, are they finishing in fourth place? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. No, you don't think the Red Sox are better than the... No, I, I like the Guardians for sure, yeah. Like, I'm I'm definitely a Guardians... Call me a Guardians respecter. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I mean, they're a good team. Like, I don't going to doubt that, but I mean, like, it's... It's not like their team's loaded with stars, right? And, I mean, Jose Ramirez has really slowed down as the season has progressed. I believe he's hurt. So, I mean, like, I don't know, man. It's tough. I don't know. It's tough. I don't know. I, I just think that the, the, the AL Central is such a such a tire fire that I think in terms of, like, strength of schedule and stuff, I know you love that strength of schedule metric, Zach. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I, I feel like they'd probably finish fifth in the, in the AL East. Wow. I mean – yeah, like they don't have a ton of stars, but like they've had a huge breakout performance this year from Andres Jimenez. Like you could low key consider him a star this year. He's he ranks 11th in F WAR. So I a lot mean, of that, a lot of that's defensive metrics, though, isn't it? Yeah, a lot of defensive metri- metrics, but he's also hitting 300. He's got 19 stolen bases, 17 homers. Like that's an incredible season. And yeah, he's he's been an incredible defender at second base too. So he's not quite a five tool player, but 17 homers, 19 steals, really good defense, 300 average. It's a, it's a really good ball player, and yeah, the Guardians—they're just—they're just solid all around. And and Francona's been an unbelievable manager. I've—I've I've, I've loved him. I loved him when he was on the Red Sox, and he's—he's he's been around for a while. But he's really embraced the the new school baseball. He—they play the platoons over there in in Cleveland for sure too. He manages the bullpen well. See, I could, I could see him winning the award for sure. So let's move on to our third place votes. I think we can go through these pretty quickly because you know it kind of feels like throwing darts at a dartboard here like i mean it's <laughs> yeah. it's you know i i ended up going with dusty baker houston astros jake kevin cash with the rays and jory went with scott service of the mariners so you know immediately looking at it three likely playoff teams i went with dusty just because they had the best record and i wasn't too sure which direction i wanted to go i fe- feel like you know aaron boone probably doesn't deserve it for the collapse that they've had mm-hmm. um you know john schneider he, he he'll probably get some votes i could see him coming in third for this award i just feel like you know kind of we had this conversation with buck where 
you know, they've, they've been quietly been the best team in the AL all season, and there hasn't really been a, a debate about that. So I think Dusty's done a great job since he's gone to Houston, and that's kind of why I, why I went with him. Yeah, I mean, picking Dusty's really similar to picking Dave Roberts just because of how incredible of a season they've had. They've, they have 102 wins. I've just never been a big fan of Dusty overall. I think he, he does some interesting things with the ball club. Like, like, they continue to play Martin Maldonado every day over Christian Vasquez, who they traded for, which is kind of frustrating for me, but... I mean, yeah, the the Astros, they, they're an incredible team, and they have 100 wins, so I, I get it for sure. Yeah, and I also went with that AL West manager in Scott Surveys for, for my third place. And again, the, the Mariners were good last year, but there were a lot of question marks, especially with that you know whole run differential versus fun differential situation. And this year, that team's really turned around, and actually looks like they've built some sustainable success. And I also think when you make the playoffs for the first time in 20-some-odd years, you probably deserve a little bit of respect. Yeah, and he was the runner-up last year to to the winner, Kevin Cash. So I mean, you know, some two two solid picks there. I think we can kind of move on past manager of the year. I think we we definitely covered that. So for rookie of the year, Jake and I had the exact same ballots for both. For both, yeah. <laughs> and Jory had the same top two finishers for both. So okay. four person ballots on both sides. We'll start in the NL. The unanimous winner once again, Spencer Strider. I'm surprised that you guys didn't give uh, Michael Harris some love. Yeah, I mean, it is really close. It's not like unanimous Strider. I think I think Harris is going to get some votes, but looking at Strider's overall numbers, it's just it's just crazy. I don't I don't think he actually qualifies for the ERA title this year, but he um he has like thirteen strikeouts per nine. Like the guy is absolutely disgusting. So yeah, I think you know honestly though, if if we think about it in terms of which rookie was more important to their team, which is not not really a conversation that you have with rookie of the year, right. Harris was probably a little bit more important to yeah. the Braves than Strider was. Since the Braves' rotation has been solid, not great, but has been solid enough to kind of get... I mean, maybe it has been great, you know, Wright, Freed, Morton. I mean, I think that almost speaks to how good Strider's been, that their rotations really had a lot of depth, and he's been a huge part of it as a rookie. Does he get Does he get the ball game one of their wildcard series if they end up in the wildcard no, series? No, that's probably Max Freed, right? But he probably, Freed, yeah. yeah, he probably goes game two, right? I mean, maybe... Yeah, I got him. Game Maybe two. you toss out. Well, right, he, like, he's also hurt right now, right? Too. So I don't know. Yeah, what, I what think he'll, I think he'll be like. back though. Yeah, yeah. Hope. I mean, hopefully, I'd love to see him pitching in the playoffs. But yeah, Harris is a super worthy candidate too. He's a legitimate five-two player. He's been an incredible breakout for the Braves this season. And you're right, he might be a little bit more important to them. They already have such a solid pitching staff, and getting another, uh, getting a lockdown defender in center, and also a guy that that can rake. Like, yeah, he's he's been incredible. <laughs> Yeah, no, Harris, kind of one of a kind. Just based on just vibes, if you will, he gives me kind of a, call like a Carl Crawford vibe. I okay. don't know if that makes sense where he's got, Lefty, it really is like it, that, yeah. like those, all the tools, right? Yeah. So I really think he's a really spectacular player. And, and I mean, he's almost made you forget that Ronald Acuna has been not that good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, like, I haven't really looked at Acuna's numbers in a while, but. Exactly. Well, I mean, yeah, and I mean, Harris just just twenty one years of age, right? I mean, the the Braves, if not this year, they've got so much runway because they're such a talented team and such a young team, and he's going to be such a huge part of that future going forward. And they're signing all these guys to steals of contracts, so they're going to be there for a while for well, sure. Yeah, they signed Harris to to a pretty good contract too. I, f- I forget yeah. what it was exactly, but yeah, they're the Braves are set for the future for sure. Yeah, I I mean, Harris has like double the the f war that Acuna has this year that's actually crazy I didn't I knew Acuna hadn't been as good but wow yeah. <laughs> that's that's kind of shocking looking at the numbers right now what uh what happened like obviously injury aside like what happened Did he just start striking out way more what happened to Acuna no the, stri- the strikeout rate's the same it's just 
he's not hitting for power as much. He's stealing bases at a, at a good rate still, but yeah, the average is a bit down and he's not hitting for power. He only has 15 homers. And I saw a comparison of his swing from a pre-injury and post-injury, right? So it's the ACL tear. Yeah. So what it looks like is happening is that he's not getting as deep into his swing, right? Right with that back knee, which he tore the ACL in. So he's not generating as much power because he can't, well, not that he can't, but he's just not. Yeah using the leg as much as a result of the injury. Yeah, it looks like the launch angle's way down. He's That's he's hitting more shame. balls on the ground. So yeah, the the exit velocity it's it's still good. It's average exit velocity. He's still got a one. he's got a case of Vladitis. <laughs> yeah, a, li- a little bit of Vladitis, yeah. I th- I think we'll see him back next year though. I think, you know, yeah, you kind of get the year under your belt and then you figure everything out. So. I think so too, yeah. So without saying Michael Harris the second was our second place finisher. So in third place, Jake and I put Lars Newbar and Jory put Brendan Donovan, both of the St. Louis Cardinals. Can I can I speak on Brendan Donovan a little bit? Yeah, go, go ahead. Did you guys know that for most of the year, Brendan Donovan had a Brendan Donovan had a 400 on base percentage? Wow. This I guy, I mean, just straight up gets on base. The guy has all sorts of ability as like a utility guy, and he's not. Listen, he's not like a flashy, flashy guy, but I mean, Donovan really kind of gets on base with the best of him. Just kind of lacks the power, but. To me, he's such a fun player. I mean, admittedly, had him on my fantasy team for a lot of the year, so that's my familiarity with him. But I think he had a really fantastic year, 120 games, so played for a lot of the year, was an above-average hitter, and even now his on-base percentage is 393. So he's really shown a spectacular ability to get on ball, get on base. He's got almost as many walks as strikeouts. I think it's a matter of if, not what, or excuse me, it's a matter of when, not if, when he ends up one of these years with more walks than strikeouts. He's such a spectacular player in that respect. Obviously a little bit older. He's only, he's, uh, excuse me, he's 25. So a little bit older for a rookie, relatively speaking, but he's a guy that I had nowhere near my radar to begin the year and I think has shown to be a tremendous player. Though I will admit that Lars Nootbaar himself, also a really fantastic player. Yeah, I think it's super close between both guys. I'm pretty sure they have a dead even F4. I'm, I kind of lost where I was at in my... Um, Donovan 2.5, Newt Bar 2.4. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's super close. I'm, like, hearing you talk about Donovan, I'm kind of I'm kind of reconsidering my pick here a little bit, but, yeah, it's, 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 it's super close, and both guys have been incredible for the Cardinals. They've, they've really helped. Like, they were, they were a fringe team, and I think they've turned them... That, they're a big reason that they've, they have 90 wins right now, too, those two guys breaking out. Yeah, the reason why I went with Newt Bar is the, the power conversation, and then Donovan, for me, he gets on base a ton, obviously, but he doesn't have necessarily the speed of somebody that, you know, isn't going to hit for power. Like, if you're going to mm-hmm. be on base all the time and you're not hitting for power, you'd, you'd like there to be a little bit more speed there. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, like, a 380 slug, so the power is definitely not there. Newtbar, he's got 15 home runs on the season. But the OBP is definitely better for Donovan, so I, I see I see where you went with him for sure. Yeah, there's a bit of a case of a please do not look at the man behind the curtain with uh, <laughs> with Brendan Donovan. But again, I mean, you look at Stackhouse; he doesn't swing and miss, and he doesn't swing at bad pitches, and he gets on base. Right? That's really all I can ask. Obviously, defensively, he's a bit weak by outs above average. Although we've had our discussions about its utility with uh, with infielders, but I mean, regardless, Donovan had a really really good year, really strong year, and. Just overall, I really think he deserves some respect for the year he put up basically out of nowhere. Yeah, I don't think you can go wrong with either of those guys. Looking at the list right now, I don't know how I missed out on putting Jake McCarthy as my third place vote. I I wrote an article about him yeah, at just baseball. <laughs> Jake McCarthy. I uh, I'm not 100 percent sure why I didn't end up putting him third. Like he's kind of you know had a really good season there, 21 stolen bases. He's he's been awesome for Arizona, but 
only played 93 games. Yeah, so definitely. Yeah. I mean, that's to date. He'll end up with more than that when the season's said and done. But maybe like a case of came up a little bit too late to really. He was he was up attention. and down. Yeah. So yeah. 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 All three of those guys are really similar. They're just six, seven, eight in the the F4 rankings for for rookies and. Yeah. All guys that no one knew who they were at the start of the year, right? So, yeah. very, and they're all left-handed hitters, so very, very similar. Um, excuse me, Lars Newtbar <laughs> definitely knew this man because A plus, like eighty grade name. That, Lars, yeah, it doesn't get much better. Than have that, you guys right. have you guys seen that tweet uh, from Foolish Baseball? I don't know if I'm allowed to say this on uh, on the thing, but I'll say it anyways. I think the tweet goes something to the effect of, "I love it when she Lars on my Newtbar." <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, earning that explicit tag. <laughs> PG thirteen. PG podcast. thirteen. PG thirteen. Uh, okay, let's let's move on. <laughs> AL AL Rookie of the Year. I don't even know if we need to discuss this one. I think it's pretty obvious. Number one, unanimous, Julio Rodriguez. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Julio Rodriguez Show. We are the J Rod Show. We are the J Rod Show. Yes, sir. Was so, there ever any doubt? I you know I think we can skim through this one pretty quick. We got Julio first, Adley second. I'm interested to have this conversation about the third place votes because Jake and I, once again, George Kirby is our third place vote, while Jory went with Stephen Kwan. And I originally had Kwan penciled in in my third place, and then I looked into it a little bit and decided to go with George Kirby. So, Jory, did you consider Kirby, and what made you go with Kwan? I did consider Kirby. I did give him some thought, but I mean, I think Kwan has just had a really strong year. I think part of it, what helps is that Quan more or less played the full season with the Guardians. He slots in here at a five and a half B WAR. He again gets on base. Maybe I don't give enough respect to to power. Maybe that's just kind of the case. But I, I really think that Quan just had a really strong year in kind of all facets. And I think also he's been such a huge part of that Guardians team, ultimately making that run. You know, we talked what ten minutes ago about Tito and how big a part he maybe was, and how the the Guardians maybe lacked stars, but Quan definitely has reached an echelon, maybe a tier or two below that star discussion. And maybe it's that amazing start to the year he had because obviously he faded a bit down the stretch. But again, I just think Quan had a really spectacular year, a really all-around strong year, and I think just ultimately a guy that, in my eyes, as has been the case with a lot of these third-place votes, really deserves some respect for the year he put together. Yeah, I definitely debated it for a while, going back and forth on Stephen Kwan and George Kirby, but I dug I dug a bit deeper into Kwan, and I noticed that he doesn't have the best lefty-righty splits. On the surface, they look decent because he ha- he's hitting 298 against lefties, but it's only a 90 WRC+. Plus, so like, it, it, it was still close, but just seeing that, that kind of made me lean a bit more towards George Kirby, who's who's been incredible for, for the Mariners this season with a 3.21 ERA in his rookie year, so... Yeah, and I also kind of wanted to get a pitcher on there too, to be, to be honest. But. I think I think with Kirby, only 126 innings pitched, roughly, so not like a ton of volume. Yeah, and he's a bit of a peripherals guy because his actual ERA is like 3.2, which is good, but doesn't really you know blow you away. By B WAR, he's under two WAR, so like I respect him as a as a player in terms of maybe future value, but I just in terms of this year. I had a tough time really kind of justifying in terms of the actual on-field results, putting him yeah. ahead of, of Quan. And again, there is that aspect of maybe, you know, maybe the, the Mariners defense just wasn't that strong behind him, and that is entirely plausible. 
But I just I think that Quan's year and the volume as well speaks to just the year that he had and speaks to why he is my third place third place choice. Yeah, Kirby, Kirby's a guy that definitely doesn't blow you away. He only has a nine point seven swinging strike rate. He strikes out over a batter per nine, even with the low swinging strike rate, and he has incredible control, only walking one point three. But yeah, like both both guys are just players that like don't blow you away. Like Stephen Kwan doesn't hit a ton of homers. He's just really solid, plays good defensively, great leadoff guy. And Kirby's just a solid middle middle of the rotation arm for for the Mariners. It's just yeah, it's it's, clo- think, it's close. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, no. For for me, Kirby just kind of the overall body of work is like is solid, and that's why I went with him. But I will say this about Kwan. I think if you're telling the story of the 2022 MLB baseball season, Stephen Kwan is more relevant to that story than George Kirby. I definitely agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think he hit the nail on the head. Right. I think even. Even if you just want to like isolate it to Quan's first month, right? He's he's on people's radar because of how good a first month he had. Yeah. Whereas Kirby, I mean, I'll fully admit he was not on my radar up until pretty recently. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, no one's no one's really talked about Kirby at all, and Quan was what all anybody could talk about that first week. He's number one number one waiver wire pickup in, in fantasy. So. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing it back, this guy remembers that stuff. Of course. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our Cy Young picks. We'll start in the NL. We had so a very interesting ballot here. So Jake and I had the same three players. We obviously had the unanimous first-place finisher, Sandy Alcantara. Jake and I had the same two, three, just flipped. And Jory had two players that neither Jake or I had on our ballots at all. Man, tells you tells you what we value in our players. This is so fascinating. We need some we need some differentiation. This of course, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I actually want to hear you two go at it because I think you two will have some interesting discussion. Maybe not about our number one, who I think is obvious to anyone listening, Sandy Alcantara, who had a ridiculous year, and we'll surely get into him. I don't know, Zach. Do you want to start with him, or do we want to go a little bit about you two with your two threes? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Sandy, pretty pretty obvious, right? He's going to be like a near two hundred and thirty inning guy, which hasn't been done in a, in a long time, right? So I think the workload in combination with the success that he's had is has made him kind of the clear the clear choice to win the Cy Young and you know if we want to get into our two three I can say say so for me I had Carlos Rodon second and Max Fried third and Jake had Max Fried second and Carlos Rodon so Jake Jake why why Fried over Rodon it's definitely close I mean it's it's interesting because in season, I'm a guy that really values advanced statistics, and I love guys that miss bats, get strikeouts, but Freed's not really that, and neither is Alcantara. They're both guys that strike out under a batter per inning, and they're my one-two in the Cy Young just because they've proven it. They're pro- they've proven that they're guys that, that can get that done. They've done it for two years in a row now, and they're just so like, like they're so solid. Al- Alcantara's number one because he has 220 innings pitched. That's, that's his main value. He goes deep every outing, but... It definitely gets it gets really close with the two threes for sure. Rodon, he's I don't know. It's 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 so interesting. Like Freed walks nobody. He walks one point six, and then Rodon misses so many bats. He's eleven point eight uh, K per nine, and Freed's under a, striking out under a batter per nine. But he consistently has a better ERA than Rodon. He stays healthy. I don't know. I just I, I just went with Freed. I'm not really sure. Yeah, <laughs> Zach, I mean, Zach, go for it. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I think I value the strikeouts a lot in terms of. You know, the voting here, I think that it's a, a very valuable statistic to tell you, you know, just how good a pitcher was, right? Like, I mean, you know, the the ground ball thing is great for Freed, and he was, you know, next up on my list. But if if you do look at the K-BB percentage, which I'm going to kind of keep going to, 
in, in pitcher conversations because I think it is a true talent evaluator. Radon is second in all of MLB and first in the NL, whereas Freed was 16th. You know, that obviously is a result of the low K rate where Radon, I think he was just good enough in both to kind of come in second for me. And I think he is one of the guys who did it quietly this season. And I do wish that the Giants had traded him at the trade deadline so that we could kind of see him um, pitch in the playoffs here. And I think him coming back from that injury is super impressive to me. So maybe a little bit of a narrative base there is that he was able to do it for the second straight season. Yeah, I I'm, think I'm... I think I'm with Zach on this one. I think that the strikeouts are really something that, that are so valuable. And I think Rodon's narrative as well is really compelling, which in my eyes puts him a tier maybe above a guy like Max Fried. Well, I don't know why. <laughs> I was like, wait, what's, go- what's Sorry going on next to you? Anyways. No, I mean, yeah, like, ultimate, like Fried has a 2.5 ERA. Rodon has a 2.98. But overall, like if I'm projecting for next year, I think Rodon is a more talented pitcher for sure. It's just I think Freed gave you a better season this year. That's that's why he has a slight edge for me over Rodon. So you two both kind of went with with call it maybe peripheral guys, but I mean third in innings pitch is Aaron Nola, who's my guy, and innings pitched are basically just outs recorded. If you really want to get technical, yep. and nobody got outs like Aaron Nola did outside of basically Sandy Alcantara, I think Miles Michaelis is is second. But I'm sorry, Michaelis, you're not going to be, <laughs> you're not getting my vote for Cy Young. Um, no, Nola had a really spectacular year by volume, really spectacular, and even by by kind of not the metrics, but just maybe going under the hood a little bit more. Like he's he just had a really solid year. He's had his ups and downs in his career, obviously, but I mean this year. Uh, ERA back in the mid threes, so really solid on that front. By walks, he's got the com- I mean, he's got the command. Nobody walked less guys than him per nine, and over ten Ks per nine as well. Just overall, a really solid year. Got outs, pitched a lot of volume, which is kind of what he does, per- perhaps especially. So I think Aaron Nola is my pick for number two. Not obviously at that Sandy Alcantara level because nobody's been at that Sandy Alcantara level, but uh, yeah, like Aaron Nola is my guy. Yeah, I think it's tough because there's just so many guys in the mid-twos for ERAs, and he, he has a 3.36, so it's, it's just hard for me to give him that award. I do think he's incredibly talented. He leads in F-War. And he's, he's, been, he's been pretty unlucky. He, has a, he doesn't have a great defense behind him. He has a lower walk rate than, than all these guys that we've talked about, 1.32 per nine, and, he's, and he strikes out more guys than Freed, too. So he's a lower walk rate, rate than Freed, and he strikes out more guys. So, again, if I'm projecting for next year, I think Aaron Nola is a more talented pitcher. It's just the way I do my voting. It's just based on what they've done this this season, what what they've done on the field, not what they're going to do in the future. And and that's why I like Freed over Nola. Jory, I love your third place pick. Please give it to me. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So, Jake, oh a couple of weeks ago, you put a thought in my mind. Right. And I kind of sat on that thought. And then we went to kind of do uh, kind of have this discussion. And I am officially Zach Gallon pilled. Yeah. Zach Gallon is my third pick. I mean, just overall, really solid year. 2.46 ERA. Did a good job limiting contact. And just overall, strong peripheral, strong numbers. Just, uh, I thought it was kind of fun to maybe have a little callback there. Yeah, but for sure. yeah, Zach Gallon had a really strong year. Maybe not on the level of some of these other guys we've tossed out. I mean, maybe if I was really voting, maybe he wouldn't be my number three guy. But you know what? I think Zach Gallon again, as has been the case, kind of deserving of that recognition and had a really solid year. Also, I mean, by the by, uh, by StackAss as well, I mean, had a good 
good year by the peripherals. Let me just bring up the classic win-loss argument here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he went, he 12, went and 12 and 3 in Arizona. Wow. I mean, that still speaks. I Listen, win, pitcher wins are, are what they are. But, again, it speaks to his ability to pitch on a team that lacks much of anything in some respect. But, no, again, by, by StatCast, just a lot of red circles. I mean, a really good year. Sitting at that 5B war. Not a star, like super mega star, but just overall a really good year and deserving of some recognition. Yeah, he pitched well last night, too, so that— helped his numbers for sure seven innings two runs six strikeouts against the Astros I think they put out a bit of a B lineup last night yeah they, they definitely did but um yeah I mean he, he has a lower ERA than Freed now after after that start 2.46 to Freed's 2.5 and strikes out more guys walks a bit more but yeah going 12 and 3 on a on a sub 500 team that's it's definitely no joke <laughs> Yeah, he was he was really good. I think there's that's a that's a really solid pick, and I do really like him kind of getting that recognition. So, let's move along to our AL Cy Young ballots, where Jake and I had identical ballots, and Jory had to mess it up by putting <laughs> our second place finisher third and our third place finisher not on his ballot. Oh, really? <laughs> so unanimously, of course, we picked Justin Verlander to win the AL Cy Young. JV sub two ERA this year. Maybe not the strikeout numbers that you expect from Verlander, but he has been wonderful. Yeah, just too too good to to say anybody else. He was really spectacular this year. I mean, I'm not really sure what else there is to say. It's Justin Verlander, right? I mean, he looked like he was cooked, and now comes back from that injury and puts up a what, like a one point what eight one point eight it's one point eight. He's crazy. He's 39 years ever, old. Ever since he's got to Houston, he's been a Cy Young candidate every single season. Yeah, crazy. which is crazy. And that was after he looked like he was done. Yeah, he looked he washed did, in Detroit. He did look like he was done. Yeah, it was. It was. I remember the one season. Everybody was writing him off. I drafted him like super late in fantasy, and it and it really paid off. But he's he's been in, in, insane with with the Astros. They they have a way with pitchers, and they've they've been able to find his full potential in his late 30s. He's this is his, this is the best ERA he's had ever. He's he's a Hall of Fame pitcher and he's having yeah. his best year arguably. Well, I don't know if it's his best year. It's his best year by ERA in his age 39 season. It's just insane. Totally bananas. So, finishing in second place based on Jake and I voting him second and Jory voting him third is the one and only Shohei Otani. And I'll explain him coming in second for me. So, obviously I've kind of leaned a little bit on the strikeout numbers and the K minus BB percentage. But Shohei leads the AL in K minus BB. He leads the AL in K per nine, and he is second in the AL in K percentage behind Christian Javier. Very interesting. But I think that he has been, you know, if it weren't for Verlander being sub two, I think Shohei probably wins the Cy Young while he's been hitting home runs at the plate too. He's been so impressive to me this season, and he's really. I think he's added some pitches this year, and he's really kind of developed as a pitcher unlike anything we've ever seen from anybody like that. So I think for me, for him going in second, he's been awesome hitting. He's been striking out a ton of guys, and I think that that's why I went with him in second. Yeah, I think he just continues to surprise me. Last year, I expected him to be a much better pitcher than a hitter, and that wasn't the case. He completely broke at the the plate, and this year, I'm like, okay, now he's a better hitter than a pitcher, and this year once again he proves me wrong he's a better pitcher than in hitter he's him winning the if he actually won the Cy Young that would just be unbelievable to to produce like he does at the plate and then winning that award that'd be something special but yeah like you mentioned 
Verlander, he's he's sub too. It's it's just it's so hard not to give it to him. Yeah, and we'll get into that Shohei Otani discussion, I'm sure, very shortly. Yes, we will. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so let's before we get to your second place finisher, J- Jory. Let's Jake. We'll say so. We voted Dylan Cease as our third place finisher. Yeah. So Cease, another guy. You know, he's pushing the sub two ERA. He's got a two point oh six. He has a 30% K rate, a 10% walk rate, which is why I ended up putting him behind Shohei. Yep. Jake, why did you end up going Otani overseas? Yeah, it, exact same reason. The walks are, they're really high. I, 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 I honestly tried to leave him off the list because I see the walk rate and I'm like, ugh, like I really don't want to vote for him. But like you mentioned, he has a, he has a 2.06 ERA. It's just, he's almost sub one or sub two. It's, it's so hard not to vote for him, but yeah. Okay, and Jory, the tied for third place finisher on our overall ballot is toronto's own alec manoa exactly break that down for us exactly nobody's got that dog in them like alec manoa does (laughs) i as you guys can clearly tell i am a big volume guy when it comes to these types of pitching awards and alec manoa is in a tier with very few others he's probably going to surpass 200 innings or he's going to get extremely close i don't know if he's lined up for one more start or two because i know they're Kind of dancing around that star. I believe he's up. Anyways, details. Guy has been really spectacular for the Blue Jays. Had his ups and downs in some respects during some parts of the season. But yeah, I mean, with me, Otani ends up third on my ballot. And only throwing 150 innings, I think, is, is a little bit kind of speaks to the fact that, you know, he's had a spectacular pitching, but just availability for obvious reasons has been kind of second priority because you want to make sure you get him lots of uh, lots of at bats so i think that manoa's ability to be on the mound for extended stretches of time not missing time just going out there and kind of being a bulldog which just you really don't see in today's mlb nowadays i think that's super valuable and that's why i've got him as my number two although again otani is my number three because there's really no denying the type of year that otani had yeah manoa one thing that's been super impressive about about him is you know obviously the workload but just how successful he is in that workload right like he every single start this year he's gone more than five innings and has not once given up more than five runs yeah exactly right like Manoa's consistency is another thing right and you know call it what it is like obviously during the middle of the year he kind of hit a bit of a road bump he he's in his sophomore year he never pitched that many innings but still to go out there and be able to throw a ton of innings be able to sniff that 200 innings mark, which is so, so, so rare nowadays. I think there's so much value in that. And I, I haven't even mentioned, like, I mean, Manoa had a 2.31 ERA. Like, he was good. Yeah. Like, it's not like he just went out there and threw slop for seven innings and ended up with, like, a 3.5 ERA. This guy was probably the Jays' ace, if not for Kevin Gosman, you know, having a BABIP of, like, 700, right? Like, no, like, Manoa was spectacular for the Blue Jays, has ups and downs, but all said and done, it's one of the best pitching years the Jays have had in how long, right? Yeah, it's the the pick's definitely justifiable for sure. He's he has eleven eleven more innings than Cease in one last start, and the yeah, like you mentioned, the ERA is two point three. I think Manoa was somebody I considered, but I th- I think the next closest guy for me was still McClanahan. He, he, he like he definitely doesn't have the innings for sure. He's he's pitched one hundred and sixty one, but he's he's just been yeah, like his his stuff is so incredible. He's 10 strikeouts per nine, only walks two per nine. So I think he was probably the next on my list and then Manoa. But it's definitely, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting conversation for sure. Yeah, I think there's just 
a ton of solid arms in the AL this year. Yeah, it's yeah, so so many guys to pick from. Honestly, so many guys in the twos for ERAs this year. As as we're looking for it through, like Bieber's Bieber's another guy too. He's sub three. Like so many really solid pitching performances. Yeah, Bieber's a guy that I also gave some thought to. It was tough. Like I mean, there's really no other way to slice it. It was a really tough decision in the American League outside of basically JV. Who I mean, you could have penciled him about three weeks ago. He's been so spectacular this year, but. Yeah, the, the American League really kind of having a bit of a renaissance with pitchers, I feel like, because I feel like it wasn't this strong not that long ago. Yeah. Well, the, the NL was always better because they got to face pitchers. Yeah. <laughs> but the, that would explain it. <laughs> yeah, I, I was writing about the Rays even last night, too, and they, they have three guys on their staff that have ERAs below three, Springs, Rasmussen, and McClanahan. So, yeah, pitching's been incredible this year. Anyways, so let's move to our big conversations here of the MVPs. So we'll start in the NL once again. Of course, unanimously, once again, Paul Goldschmidt, all three of us picked him in first. For you guys, how much thought did you give to somebody else? Because I actually, the more that I dove into it, the more trouble that I had putting him in first place. Yeah, I actually gave it a ton of thought, for sure. It wasn't just, okay, it's Goldschmidt, for sure. I, I definitely considered Arenado, too, just because of how good he is on the other side of the ball defensively. So like, he put up a great offensive season, like, Goldschmidt has a 4.21 Woba. He has a 3.8. So I think the gap there just ultimately made me choose Goldschmidt. But if it was a little little bit closer, I, I definitely would have leaned Arenado because Goldschmidt's obviously giving you not much defensively playing first base, and Arenado's consistently one of the best defenders in the league. Yeah, exactly. It was it was definitely a—I don't want to say it was a tough decision because I kind of went into this— probably expecting Goldschmidt to be my guy, looked at them both, gave it some thought, and kind of went, yeah, I think so. The hitting really is what separates them, and the uncertainty with defensive metrics. Obviously, there's no questioning Arenado's a spectacular defender, right? But putting a number on that is tough, whereas with Goldschmidt, I mean, there's really no difficulty putting a number on, you know, leading the league and on base, or excuse me, on uh, OPS. So I think Goldschmidt ultimately walks away with MVP, and I don't think that's of any particular surprise, but I think in a lot of respects, Arenado made it a lot closer than I thought it would be. Yeah, it's definitely going to be an interesting conversation down the stretch to see who kind of does come away with that award. Award. I actually didn't put Arenado second on my ballot. Really? So Arenado was our second place finisher because you both put him second and I put him third. Mm-hmm. But for me, I put Freddie, Freddie Freeman yeah. second. So Freddie Freeman, the OBP king in the NL this year, uh, a seven-war first baseman, um, you know, a uh, leading the NL in average um, on the Dodgers, new team kind of coming in there, helping them to that record. I think the argument for me there was that he was a better hitter than Arenado, and the team record did play a little bit into that, but I think that Freeman has been very under the radar as one of the top players in the NL this year. Neither of you had him on your ballots, but I do think that he is, you know, kind of kept up the – the pace that he set for himself and been one of the top hitters in in all of Major League Baseball. No, I I agree. I really, really, really thought hard about about uh, Freddie Freeman. Jake, did did you give Freeman some thought? Oh yeah, definitely. The the two debates for me were like we talked about Goldschmidt and Arenado, and then my second debate was including Machado or Freeman at the three spot. There's no question Freeman had a better offensive season. I we didn't do Hank Aaron awards, but I I did them for fun. I just put. Freeman second for for Hank Aaron but yeah by pure hitting right yeah pure pure hitting yeah three three twenty seven average he doesn't have 
quite I don't, yeah let's see he, he doesn't have quite the power in terms of home runs but he still has a 512 slug he's hitting a ton of doubles i think he actually is leading in in doubles because yeah I, I think i checked that the other day but yeah great great hitting season from him it's just machado's a very similar player to arenado with the defense he doesn't rank as well as arenado does this year by defensive metrics but like you said we don't know how much to trust those we know machado is an incredible defender he put up a great offensive season and He's he's worthy of the of being top three in the MVP in my opinion. Yeah, Freeman Freeman is leading the league in doubles. So yeah, so I mean you know he's he's definitely a worthy candidate, and it kind of comes down to how much you're going to value defense in this conversation. So Jake, you know you put Machado third, and Jory, do you want to explain Francisco Lindor being your third place finisher? Yeah, so I think Lindor kind of had an under the radar really great season. Now I did also give Machado a lot, a lot, a lot of thought, but the Padres I think also and. Blame this on the team, if you will. They underperformed. Like, they, they're going to make the playoffs. They're a good team. But I think certainly kind of a lot of people would have expected them to be a really, really, really good squad. And they just, they were, I think they were good. But they're going to maybe sniff 90 wins. I don't know. I just, I I have a tough time really saying that Machado had a blow you. He had a really great season, right? Like, I, there's no debating that. I just think that... Just it kind of comes down to how good of a season the teams kind of put together. And again, this is a big discussion about whether it's the value to the team versus the value of the player themselves. I don't think there's any arguing that the better overall season belongs to Machado, but I just think Frankie Lindor as the face of that Mets team and the Mets team really surpassing expectations being a World Series contender. Whereas, I mean, I don't know if anyone expects the Padres to make some noise once October rolls around. I think that's ultimately where my Francisco Lindor choice comes in third. And again, there's no disrespect to Machado, but I also think that Lindor just had a offensively had a nice bounce back year. Last year, I kind of had a down year. Defensively, he had a really strong year, which also we showed some regression last year, kind of bounced back. So I like Lindor as my guy, and I, I think he, as the face maybe of that Mets team, deserves the credit that they're succeeding this year in the wake of what was a tire fire last year. Yeah, I mean, he's the most valuable defender that we've talked about for sure. And I, I think ultimately just comes down to the offense. Arenado, I think the gap between Arenado and Lindor defensively is closer than the gap it is offensively. I think Arenado just had this, like, I, I, I can't show it because I'm doing it with my hands, but he had this much better of an offensive season. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. That's not going to work. Just, yeah, go to the next. <laughs> I can't, I, yeah, just go to the No, next. Lindor's a solid pick, and I think the Mets probably deserve somebody in there, whether it's him or, or Pete Alonso, you know, 40 home run season. There's yeah. no... No debating that they're they're definitely a special group over there. So I think Lindor, a deserving third-place finisher. Mm -hmm. So moving along to the AL MVP. So last week we discussed this, the Judge versus Otani conversation, and we kind of did Jake and I against Jory. However, this week, Jory, flip-flop, Aaron Judge, unanimous AL MVP. Jory, what changed your mind over the past week? So even as... Was it because you spent a week with us in Ottawa? <laughs> <laughs> no, even even as I was making this decision, I sent a text in the group chat being like, how do I do this? Otani's literally a Cy Young candidate. But, I mean, as soon as he hit 61, it was kind of like, there's no sense arguing at this point. Guy's at 11 war. I mean, it it kills me inside, mostly as maybe a Yankees hater or whatever you want to call it. But... There's really no denying that Aaron Judge has had like an all-timer season. I think he's 
top 15 in all-time wins above replacement years by wow. Fangraphs War. Like, top 15, maybe top 20. Anyways, this is one of the best seasons of baseball we've seen in so long. They'll get WRC over 200. You never see that. It was going to take something exceptional to one-up Shohei Otani, and I think that once you hit 61 home runs, it's kind of like that's about as exceptional as it's going to get, right? The American League record, people arguing that it's the all-time record because Barry Bonds had a well-balanced breakfast. But, like, (laughs) I don't know. I'm still – even I'm saying it now, and I'm like, I still don't know if I agree with myself. So – so the argument that I made about Stephen Kwan earlier and the story of the season, I think really, you know, I was looking into it pretty hard to kind of make this decision. And I was thinking, if you were to tell the story of the 2022 Major League Baseball season, who is the player that most defines it? That's Judge, no question. It's got to be Judge, yeah. right? I think obviously Shohei had a great year. And I think that last year he was that player. He was the headliner. But I think this year what Judge has done is just so special and... Like you said, it's something that we, you know, I I feel like it needs recognition. And if you don't win MVP for the type of year that he put that he is putting together, how are how when are you ever going to win MVP? Exactly. No, it's it was going to have to be something so exceptional to overtake Shohei. And as soon as you're in that eleven WAR, two hundred WRC plus. 61 dingers might just hit 62 and break the record in the next couple of days also he's probably going to win the triple crown that's another thing i mean so i was just about to mention that. also yeah. the triple crown so if you look a little bit deeper into triple crown history only one triple crown has been won since free agency and only i can't remember the exact number but it's less than five of the triple crowns won ever have been with more than 20 home runs. Wow. Exceptional. Just an exceptional year. And it kind of kills me, right? I mean, something that does excite me is Aaron Judge is about to be a free agent. This guy... It's going to be a fun offseason. This guy's going to get paid. And, like, he probably just goes back to New York. Probably. That's got to be the best pending FA season Oh, my God. What, like, this guy made himself more or less than $150 million. Probably more than $150 million, right? Like probably this guy was probably getting like 250 million before the season started, and I wouldn't be shocked if he sniffed 400. Yeah, and I, I was at the game last night. Actually, I got to see I got to see the home run. It was it was an incredible moment for sure. What was it like in the stands? Uh, it, it was kind of weird. Like I, I was with my dad at the like it, it was like no one even said anything. It was just like you just wanted to stare at it and just like a, a, like take it all in. There was no like like yelling or cheering it was just like everybody stared like just in awe and watched him go around the bases and then once he crossed home plate it was just like a standing ovation everybody's clapping but it's kind of weird because like it was a two-run homer to take the lead so you're, you're there yeah. cheer- you're there cheering for the blue jays and he takes the lead but then the entire home crowd stands up and claps you just you just hear from you just hear from like out in like the 500 level it's like yeah, <laughs> no, it's there, there was like the Canadian fans are good. There's there's a lot of respect for him. So, but yeah, I was I was happy that that I got to see that moment. And sixty two is going to be even more incredible. And seeing him win the triple crown, it's just yeah, it's it's it's, it's amazing. <laughs> it's impeccable. Yeah. All right. Well, with that all said, I think we discussed the top two enough. Obviously, Otani, all of our second place finishers. 
More interestingly, we all had different third place finishers. Okay, okay. So let's start with you, Jory, because you went somewhere that I considered a little bit, but kind of wiped it away pretty quick. Yeah, I went Mike Trout as my number three. And the reason I did so is because of that second half. Yeah, he didn't play a lot, obviously. He missed a ton of time, but no one really had a, you know, banger season. But I mean, Mike Trout only playing 130 games and still hitting, you know, 38 bombs, like pretty spectacular. Rolling with a 171 OPS plus, like there's no doubting that he was he was Mike Trout again. I mean, he's Mike Trout. What is there more to say? That's what he does. He he puts together insanely good seasons. But yeah, I, I, no one really had like a like an amazing year as like my number 3. There were a couple guys that were maybe in the mix, but no one really kind of I think like grabbed it. And I just thought kind of defaulting to Mike Trout almost in some respects was probably fair. I think he had a good enough year to justify it and I also think it's kind of funny that the that the Halos have two MVP candidates and are still the Halos. <laughs> yeah, you, you just wanted to make that narrative, right? Yeah, <laughs> you, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Jory, or sorry, Jake, excuse me, yep. you stayed in the AL West, and you went with the second highest F4 finisher. Yeah, I, I, I went with Jordan. I'm a big Jordan fan, but yeah, he has 300 average, 37 homers, 6.3 war. 427 Woba. I mean, the guy just had an incredible offensive season. He gives you nothing defensively, but just, yeah, you just flat out hit 184 WRC plus. Trout, yeah, like, I don't really just, like, like, like you said, it's, you just default to Trout, right? Cause he's, he's good every year. He's so consistent. And yeah, it's incredible that he hit, he hit more home runs than, than Jordan in only 113 games. But I, th- I think it's just the volume for me, for sure. Well, yeah, and the volume, it's not like the volume's like a huge difference. Like, Jordan's sitting right now at 129 games. So yeah, it's not true. like Jordan's going to play a full season either. Yeah. How much do you consider the defensive, I guess, lack of value given that he's a DH? Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely plays into it for sure. I, I mean, just just overall, I, I, I do think he had a better offensive season than Trout. So that's, and, and then he played more games. So that's kind of the decision making process for me. Yeah, so for me, you know, I just looking at this right now, like Houston maybe is not getting enough respect this season at all. Like, I mean, we give them the Cy Young winner, and obviously Framber would also be a, yep, a lower down ballot guy. But then here, you know, they have three of the top 10 F4 finishers with uh, Jordan, Altuve, and Bregman. Yep. And then Kyle Tucker's Very right behind them there. So, you know, maybe Houston overall in the season isn't getting enough respect. But for me, I put Jose Ramirez third. I think... His importance to Cleveland and kind of the season that they had can't be overstated. You know, listening to the players there talk about him, they call him the best player in baseball, which obviously isn't true. But I do think his consistency and just the amount of value that he brings to that team on a night in and night out basis is why I ended up putting him third. Yeah, it's another five-tool guy. A guy that's in the conversation every year, just like Trout, kind of like a default pick. Ramirez, Trout, they're all, they're always going to be there for the AL. So yeah, both both really deserving candidates. I just thought, I just really like the offensive season overall from Jordan, and that's why I went with him. Realistically, once you get past one, two, it's oh for sure, yeah. Like it's they're both so far ahead, and then third, it's kind of just like I don't know what are we doing here? <laughs> no, it's crazy. Yeah. And I think what's even kind of crazier is that like we're literally seeing like a Cy Young candidate right now also hit and it's like still not the best season in baseball right now like how crazy is like it's kind of crazy the there are two historic seasons going on right now yep like as we speak like that's 
that's that's weird, right? That's crazy, right? Yeah, I mean, it's been a great season overall for baseball. So many, so much to talk about. So many narratives, like seeing Juan Soto get traded, Judge breaks Maris's home run record potentially. Potentially, it's for the triple crown. Yeah, there's there's just been so much, so much this year. It's been it's been an unbelievable season. And then Shohei Otani, and then and then yeah, Shohei Otani doing things that no one's ever done. Well, thirty home runs, <laughs> putting up a thirteen K per nine. Yeah. <laughs> Just, just totally bananas. That's going to do it for us here at the 463 Podcast. We want to thank you very much for listening to our extended awards ballot episode. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at the 463 Pod, where we will have all of our picks laid out as well. Be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, on Apple Music, or wherever else you get your podcast fix. And we will talk to you once the postseason gets rolling with our postseason picks.